Well, good morning. Well, good morning. Or is it afternoon already? Are we that late? No. What a great Sunday this is, right? The Sunday before Christmas. And it isn't, an, isn't it fun to see the kids? Did you enjoy that? Yeah. Okay, then we'll do it again. Um, because really, it's, uh, they just have so much joy, right? And seeing them, we got to see some of the gifts that we've been talking about in our sermons the last couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, we, we learned about joy, and boy, did we see that, right? After the nervousness, we got to start to see all the joy that they have. Um, and then when we watch the kids, we see hope, hope for the future. And that's our theme today, as Pastor Danny explained. Now, if you were here last week, we had a guest speaker who spoke on peace. There's not a lot of peace with these kids, just to let you know. Any parent can tell you that, or anyone who volunteers with the kids. There's not a lot of peace, especially this time of year. But it is all about the joy that comes from them. And when you think of uh, this time of year and kids, the question that often is asked is, what are you hoping to get for Christmas? And if we asked any of those kids, they'd probably give you a list of toys and games or special treats to eat or something like that. Now, as adults, if someone asks us that question, usually the answer is, it's just a more expensive toy the older you get. That's how you answer that question. Um, for some people, though, we hope to be relieved from the pressures of school, and we hope to see family and friends, don't we? Sorry, I'm... It's okay, it's okay. Um, there's always something we're hoping for at Christmas time, whether it's a break from work, a break from school. Thanks, Danny. <laughs> I'm not as short as, and as I thought I was. Um, but as Danny, Pastor Danny, in his opening prayer, talked about the people of Jesus' time, and their hundreds and hundreds of years waiting, hoping for their Messiah. I think what else they would have been hoping for little lambs, healthy, healthy crops. And there was one couple that was hoping to find a place to sleep in Bethlehem. You know, and, and what Debbie read us this morning from Psalm 130 really spoke of the hope that the Israelites had. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. With the Lord there is steadfast love, and in him is plentiful redemption. Now, last week when Barbara was preaching, she talked about Simeon and Anna, who were the ones who represented the Israelites who were hoping for this Messiah. And the Messiah came, and that hope was fulfilled. But today we still talk about hope, don't we? The hope of the Messiah, completed, done, here. Jesus came, Christmas. But we keep talking about hope. And I think that comes from what Dietrich Bonhoeffer explains so well. He says, the Advent season is a season of waiting. But our whole life is an Advent season. That is a season of waiting for the last Advent, for the time when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. That's the hope that we live in today. Because the, the birth of Jesus Christ, humanity's hope was transformed from that earthly Messiah or king they were looking for to God's kingdom and Christ's return. So we're going to explore that a little bit today. And we're going to do that in a letter written by Peter. You know Peter, the one who walked on water, the one who fished, 
the one who cut off someone's ear when Jesus was arrested, the one who denied Jesus three times, that Peter. This is one of his letters. And um, though he was probably not there when Jesus was born at Christmas Day, not a lot of fishermen were wandering the fields that night, but he was there at his death. And he was there after Jesus was resurrected. And he was there when Jesus ascended into heaven. So in that regards, Peter has a real voice of authority for us on what this Messiah means. What's the hope after Christmas? And this letter is also referred to as a wilderness letter. And what that means is the people had scattered because they were being persecuted. The believers left Jerusalem and were scattered all over. So this letter is to anyone who is a believer anywhere. That's us. So that's why I like this letter too. And it is a letter also referred to as a pilgrim letter to the people who were on the pilgrimage because they were looking at a journey. A major theme of Peter's is that it's a journey from the cross to glory. And that's where we are now, isn't it? We're living in hope that we heard, started at the birth, went to the cross, and then on to glory. But I'm kind of getting ahead of, ahead of myself. So um, let's pause. Ask God to guide us in this, and then we'll get into our passage from Peter. Lord, it is, um, as Pastor Danny prayed earlier, it is that time of year that just keeps reminding us. Once a year, we pause to remember that your birth changed everything. It started your life and all the events that happened in your life. And so, Heavenly Father, I just ask for your, um, your presence with us. As we hear these words from Peter, who spent three years with Jesus, that we hear in our heart and in our minds what you want us to truly understand, either for the first time or afresh this Christmas. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So our passage today comes from the first letter that Peter wrote, uh, starting in chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven. For you, you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in that last time, in this you rejoice. Even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials so that the genuineness of your faith be more precious than gold that though perishable is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And then we're going to jump to verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves 
Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. The word of the Lord. I think Peter outlines beautifully there the hope that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. And that is a living hope. In verse 3 and 4, he talks about, by his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So it's not a hope that is fleeting based on earthly things that can disappoint. It's not the hope for events that probably might not happen. It's not a hope for items that will break like so many Christmas toys in our past. Oh, the earthly things we hope for are good things usually. The hope to be with family and friends this Christmas is just one example. Yet living hope is so much more than this. C.S. Lewis put it this way, our father refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant inns. And yes, he did mean I-N-N-S. But will not encourage us to mistake them for home. Living hope kept in heaven for you. One of my favorite quotes that is applicable here came from a young, budding theologian, our granddaughter, Kenzie. Yeah, she's cute, isn't she? Yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, last summer, we Airbnb'd a cottage for a week on a lake in Canada and had our kids there and our grandkids. And the drive for Kenzie and her family was just over three hours. Don't worry, I did have permission from her mom to show her picture. So three hours is the longest time period that this two-and-a-half-year-old in her memory has ever sat in a car. And so obviously, this was causing some concern for her when they were driving up. And her parents reassured her and reassured her and reassured her. Because when she, they got to the cottage, and she walked in the door and received her hugs, she said, my home is far away from here, but that's okay. That's only a two-and-a-half-year-old can do. And I think that's it. Our living hope of inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, my home is far away from here, but that's okay, says Kenzie. I believe Peter, in his passage, helps explain three things about this living hope for us. The source of our living hope, how we should respond to it, and what we should do with it. And I think this is key for our hope that Christmas brings to us. So we're going to start with the source of our living hope. And I believe we find this in verse 3 where Peter writes, by this great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through, through, not through the birth of Jesus Christ, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is our living hope because of what it means to us. And it is that gift born out of the love God has for each one of us. Undeserved, right? But freely given. Tim Keller puts it this way. Christmas means not just hope for the world, despite all its unending problems, but hope for you and me, despite all our unending failings. Despite all of our selfishness, self-centeredness, pride, anger, greed, evil words or thoughts, and so many other sins, Jesus was crucified and he was resurrected for us. The gift of salvation through grace 
nothing we can do or earn or even deserve. Paul writes in this book of Romans that God proves his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So the source of our living hope is in the eternal life we receive because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not an earthly hope that the Uber will be here soon, an excellent grade is coming, or hope of a good meal. Those end. Our living hope doesn't. It lives on like our risen Lord Jesus does. He lives on, and we will live on with him. Now, if Jesus had been born on earth, great teacher, died for our sins, we would not have a living hope. That comes with his resurrection. And he told his disciples that, that three times he would, that he told them three times that he was going to die and in three days be resurrected. If that had not happened, if he had not resurrected, there would be no living Jesus Christ and there would be no living hope. Jesus said himself, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will never die. And then he asked the most important question. Do you believe this? You might believe in a baby born in a manger, but do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? And I think that brings us to our response. We know the source is Jesus Christ's resurrection. Our response to that Oh, we are called, we are invited to seize that truth, this living hope. Peter continues in verse 5, he says, We are protected by the power of God through faith. Faith. That's seizing this living hope. And he continues with a very eloquent and accurate explanation of what faith is. I love these verses. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter is continuing what Jesus taught his disciples. During their last meal together, before he was arrested and crucified, he said, have you believed because you see me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. So once we know the source of our living hope, we can seize that living hope by believing in Jesus Christ. Seize that living hope by believing. Can you say with confidence from every part of your being, my home is far away from here, but that's okay. If not, what's stopping you from seizing that truth? The truth of Jesus and the living hope that he's offering to you. Talk to God. Talk to someone about where you are in this journey. If you have seized this living hope before, in reality, we find from time to time, we loosen our grip on it a bit. It seems to drift away. We can be hit by life circumstances that distract us from this truth. We need to be reminded of where our hope comes from, not from earthly things, but a hope, remember, that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. I like how Isaiah says it, that even youth will will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted, as many of you are today. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. 
They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So when and if you are in a place when the living hope seems to be drifting away and you're not holding on to it, spend time in God's word. Look for his words of hope. Remind yourself of who Jesus is, the source of our living hope. Talk with God and listen for, listen for his words of living hope. Use reminders, like the ornament you're going to get in a few minutes. If you ever come to my home, you will see many different things that have the word hope on it. Because that's something I need to keep seizing over and over and over again. The author of Hebrews reminds us, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. The source of our hope, Jesus Christ's resurrection, invites us to seize that living hope. And now, now what do you do with that? Besides trying to hang on to it as tightly as you can, you share it. We are called, commanded, to share what this living hope is in our lives. See, Peter tells us in verse 13, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. Literally in Hebrews, it's gather up your long flowing garments and get ready. I kind of like that, right? If you're ever wearing a long flowing garment, you can think of that. Grab it up. Set your hope on the grace and just go. Later on in his letter, Peter writes, Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. I think it's amazing that Peter assumes people are going to see this living hope in us. And that really, when I read it, that people will see the hope in you, it made me pause and think, wow, do people actually see that in me? Do they see the living hope in me, in what I do and what I say or not say? or not to? What about you? What do people see in you? In your conversations, your social media posts, your actions, your non-actions? Do people around us see this living hope in us? Another apostle, Paul, links all of this together in one of my most favorite verses. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Some versions say believe in him. And may you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I adore this verse for a multitude of reasons. Our God is the God of hope. Now, as, as many of you know, uh, when you spend time in Asia, you see many temples that are full of many gods. God of health, happiness, snakes, rice, farming, volcanoes, misfortune, so many. Thousands and thousands of gods are in those temples. Our God is not a God of the little things on earth that end. But our God of everything past, present, and future, and therefore is our God of hope. When we trust in him, when we believe in him, believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, joy and peace from God will fill us up. I love that that is, is all of our gifts, all of our sermon themes 
in that verse. They're all right there. And then the Holy Spirit then works in us to keep this hope alive. So alive, it overflows, it bubbles up. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. And may you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I think in the sharing part, if our first question is, do people see this living hope in us? Is it bubbling up? I think the second question we're challenged with is, who do you know that needs this living hope? The living hope of Jesus Christ. What name or names come to mind and you think, wow, they need to be able to say with confidence in their whole being, my home is far away from here, but that's okay. Peter calls us, Jesus calls us to gather up our overflowing garments and share your hope with them. C.S. Lewis writes, hope is one of the theological virtues. This means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think it, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but is one of the things that a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christian Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. Our seizing of the living hope of Jesus Christ calls us to action, to share with individuals, those people you thought of, and impact the whole world. Bring this living hope to the world. This Christmas, rebuild your hope if you have lost it. See the living hope born at that very first Christmas who changed everything. Soak in the source of our hope. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our sins forgiven, and our hope living in that truth. Seize our living hope as you have faith and believe in him and share that living hope with individuals and the world as it overflows out of you. Let us pray. Lord, hope is a, um, at times a very difficult concept because especially in the last two years, there are so many things we hope for that just disappeared. It just didn't happen. So we need that foundation, Father, of your living hope. Never ends. The hope that the future is there, the hope that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we will be with him forever. Help us to understand this deeper and deeper in our souls and share it more and more with people around us. Help us that people can see the glory of Christ in us, that hope overflowing. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.